Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Southerton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Vole and Jeff Hyatt. Now here is Father Noah Buscelli. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. This is the day which the Lord has made. I'm really glad to be home. I'm really glad to see you all. Visitors who are with us, it's nice to have you here too. Last Sunday, the gospel was a, a beautiful, terrible message, the Gadarene demoniac. And I know that at seminary, and sometimes outside of seminary, there was a joke or a complaint, God forgive us, why do we have to preach about the pigs three times a year, or two times, sometimes three times? But they. That healing, that exorcism, shows up in three Gospels. The Gospel writers thought it was important to write it three times. And the Church, in her wisdom, has said, we can't forget the fact, the reality, the turmoil of demonic life and influence in our world. And therefore, we're going to stick it in the Sunday lectionary, not once, not twice, but three times. And it's a good thing it's that way. Because we forget that the world is just not just a, a sweet place. We don't understand why we sin. We don't understand why we are moved to disobedience and anger. And we forget that there is a little demon whispering in our ears. We tend to think that that's a childish cartoon, but it's not. We have a guardian angel, and we have a, a tempter who's constantly with us. At the end of Matthew chapter 8, in, during that healing, the people told Christ to leave. We don't want you here any longer. And our Lord, who is life and light and love, left. Because he does not want to be where he is not wanted. I think that's the greatest condemnation, the greatest judgment that anybody could ever receive, to tell life and light and love to get lost. And I'm sad that that's happening in our world these days. So he left. He got into his boat. The reading picks up again this morning. He got into his boat, passed over to the other side, and went to his hometown of Capernaum. Though he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, he lived in Capernaum at that time. That's where 
the Beatitudes were preached on that mountain, straight, plainish mountain above the sea. And he went back to his land there, and there was a man who was paralyzed. And he went to the man and said, Your sins are forgiven. After seeing the faith of those who brought him, he said, Your sins are forgiven. And then the scribes, the religious leaders, kind of the know-it-alls, the ones who read all the books and copied them and passed them out and tried to influence the thought patterns of the Jewish people at the time. How can he do this, they said. How can he do this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But they didn't even say it, they just thought it. But Christ, the knower of hearts, heard their thoughts and answered their unspoken question. And I think it's hard for us to understand this gospel in America because we really don't suffer very much. Our life is so easy. We take health, we take longevity, we take luxury, we take abundance, we take comfort for granted. And we really don't understand suffering. And we don't understand what our Lord overlooks it. He doesn't seem to care about the physical paralysis because he sees it deeper. And he sees spiritual paralysis brought on by sin. This world that has driven Christ out has also driven out the notion of sin. How many times have I heard people say, Father, your church is so beautiful, which I agree with. The choir is so nice, the icons are beautiful. You even look pretty good once you're dressed up. I just don't understand the, the theology that there's sin and redemption and confession and repentance. That just doesn't make sense anymore. I, I would love to come to your church, but I just don't believe what you guys believe. And it's sad that our world has forgotten sin. And if we haven't forgotten it, we bring it up as a joke that we sin against the earth, which I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards of our earth. We sin against the earth by not being ecologically sensitive. Sin becomes something that is built into chocolate wrappers. You know, it's, it's without sin because it's less fat or something like that. But sin is not legalism. Sin is not moralism. Those things that our society has cast off. But sin is separation from God. Our moral life, our following the commandments, is all about loving God. Our Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. The commandments are about communion. The law is about love. So I want to real quickly think about the, the two sides of sin and then the solution. 
Our situation, of course, is that we've forgotten what sin is. We've caricaturized it. We've made it into cartoons. But we've forgotten what it really is. Sin is separation from God. Sin has two forms, the two sides of sin. There is the vices, the bad things that we do that we ought not to do, the things that hurt people, the passions put into practice. Sin also has the, the other side of the coin, which is the virtues that we don't do, or we do with the wrong intention, the wrong motivation. So we can think about the vices for a moment. The vices are the passions, the things that push us away from God, that we can enact when we are weak, that we fall into when we're pushed beyond our strength, or when we choose to fall into them. And we have the passion of pride as the height, and vainglory, and anger, and acidia, which is listlessness, and boredom, spiritual boredom, the passion of sadness, the passion of gluttony, and lust, and greed. Those eight passions are pushing us constantly. It's how the devil gets to us. We have these good things in our hearts, these good powers that we've lost control of. And because of that, we fall for the half-truth. We fall for the lie of the evil one, who says, oh, it's okay. And it's a half-truth, so we can fall for it easily. So sin is, on the one hand, doing the bad things that we shouldn't do. But on the other hand, sin is not doing the good that we should do. We have the virtues. And this is what the epistle reading, Romans chapter 12, St. Paul says that we have to be transformed. We have to have our minds renewed. Because God has entrusted us with power, with talents, and we need to put that to work. So we need to figure out what our talents are, and then we have to put them to work. And it's beautiful for people in my life that I've watched over the years find their talents and express them in a godly way. There's nothing more beautiful than that. On the other hand, there's nothing more sad than seeing someone ripe with talent who can never quite put his or her finger on it, can never quite pull the trigger and launch into service based on what he or she has been given. So sin is both doing ill and not doing the good that we should do. So what's the solution to sin? The solution is really to love God. And this is what St. John Climacus, the latter of the Divine Ascent, the author of the latter 
This is his image. Don't read this book lightly, but read it as you're more and more mature spiritually. This is step 30 about faith, hope, and love. He says, even a mother does not so cling to the babe at her breast as a son of love clings to the Lord at all times. It's amazing. Do we love God as much as a mother breastfeeding her infant? Let me read it again. Even a mother does not so cling to the babe at her breast as a son of love clings to the Lord at all times. That's the solution to sin. If we truly loved God and were not just nominal Christians, Christians by name, then nothing could separate us from him. No matter what anyone said or did, we would be clinging to Christ. And our reaction, our response, would not be out of anger or fear. It would not be out of annoyance or embarrassment. But our reaction would be out of love for God. Perhaps we wouldn't react. We also need to have silence in our life. When we have silence, that means audio silence, that means visual silence, that means emotional silence. When we have silence in our life, then we can start to see our sins, the vices, the things that we shouldn't do, and the forgotten or toxic virtues, the things that we ought to, but do not or do wrong. We start to see them. Our sins are before us. And then we can love God more because he has forgiven us more than we expected, more than we ever dreamt. So while I was at camp, I introduced a new word. Sometimes I make new words on mistake. They come out wrong. But this time was on purpose. And this word, I want you to remember it, and I want you to put it into practice. It's really a special word. And it's a, a correction to FOMO. Does anybody know what FOMO means? Heaven, the catechumen? What does FOMO mean? Say it a little louder. F-O-M-O, FOMO, is fear of missing out. FOMO. This is what cool people, this is how cool people talk. I have FOMO and therefore I have to go to this chat room. I have to go to this party because I'm afraid I will miss out. I have FOMO. And there's a good sense of FOMO, of course. The new word is JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. I know you think I'm joking with you, but I'm not joking. We have to develop the joy of not always being connected, not always being there, not always keeping up with the Joneses. We have to develop the joy of simplicity, the joy of peace, the joy of being grounded, the joy of 
being loved by God? That's a question of priorities. Who is the most important person in my life? Where does my identity come from? We can have joy missing out if we know that God is the most important person in our life. We can have joy missing out when we know that our family is more important than our friends. We can have joy in missing out when we remember that the saints are more heroic than the World Cup champions or what other celebrities and stars there are. So we don't miss out, we don't not sin because we're afraid. We, not, we don't sin because there is more joy in virtue and righteousness and holiness. There is more love and peace and understanding and comfort in being with God. So brothers and sisters, our, our, our situation in America is, is bad and getting worse. We are forgetting who we are. We are forgetting that God expects, because he loves us, expects us to keep his commandments. And we forget to, to keep his commandments. We fail by practicing the vices and forgetting the virtues. But with love for God, like a mother has for a child, and with the joy of missing out, we can rise above the chaos and enjoy the peace of God that passes all understanding. Not driving Christ away from the city of our hearts, the city of our homes, the city of our parish, but inviting him to stay with us and glorying in his love with his Father and Holy Spirit unto ages of ages. Amen.